everything else that, that comes on us and just to say, I want to be who God created me to be. I want to do what God has created me to do in this world right now. And part of that is releasing people into that freedom. Uh, I gave you that illustration at the beginning of the year about the bird that was trapped in the, in the lobby there and trying desperately to get out. And, um, and then Arlene picked it up and, and sort of took it to the door. And this bird, he just soared up into the sky because it was free to do that. There are times when we don't want to be released into that freedom. There are times when we don't want to do the things that God's calling us to do. There are times when we don't want to be the people that God's calling us to be. And that's the time where you need a little push. And I am uh, giving someone a little push today. Uh, One of um, my jobs as a pastor is to see uh, what God is doing in people's lives and to try to empower them, to equip them to do what they're called to do. And so uh, I've seen that in this guy who's going to come up and preach to us today uh, over years, but I've seen it definitely over the last year. And uh, Jeff, why don't you come up? Uh, Jeff is going to preach to us today. Uh, I am so excited about Jeff preaching uh, today. He's spoken here before, uh, but this man has a heart for the Lord. He really, really does. And so I want to empower him. I want to equip him. I want to encourage him to be all that God is calling him to be. And part of that is putting him in an uncomfortable position. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the great thing with Jeff is whenever I say to Jeff, Jeff, I really want you to preach. And he'll say, yeah, great. And then it comes to the week and he says, no, I don't want to do it. And, uh, but God's hand is on you. Let me pray for you. And then I'm going to release you to, to be who you're called to be this morning. So Father, I thank you. Thank you that you call us to be free, that you free us from the bondage of fear and of shame and of guilt, Lord, uh, because you you call us into the freedom that comes uh, only in the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that this man standing here this morning is free in you. He's free to be the person that you've called him to be. He's free to give the word that you've called him to give today. And so, Lord, I pray that you remind him that he's amongst friends, that you remind him that you're with him. And, Lord, would you give him clarity and wisdom and strength and power as he preaches to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hello, everyone. 
Hi. What an intro. <laughs> Woo, all right. I'm there already, halfway there. Um, hi, so today is a special day, a very special day. Not because I get to do this, actually. It's a special day because our friend, Teresa, um, is uh, ready to be baptized, actually, probably as we speak. It's probably happening. It's amazing. Uh, Teresa uh, and her daughter Zoe, we met, uh, we met them at the launch of Alpha in 2018 at our home. Uh, Teresa was an atheist, and uh, she knew very little about Christianity. But she was, her daughter had just turned two, and she was looking ahead to Christian education because, you, you know, you don't want to wait too long. She, you don't want to miss out. So, uh, so she was already looking ahead at Christian education, uh, thinking that this would be, this would be something good for her daughter. Uh, I, and very wisely, she decided to join Alpha to, jo- to see if, you know, just to see what Christianity is about, to make sure it's, it's uh, at least not something harmful for her daughter. And uh, and Teresa, so Teresa is a is a very she's a straight shooter. She tells it as she sees it. Oh, I have a picture of Teresa. This is Teresa, and that's her daughter Zoe. Um, she tells it as she sees it. She is very direct. Um, she had we had a lot of very interesting and good conversations when we were throughout as we were going through Alpha. And um, amazingly, her having so little knowledge of of Christianity of, and the faith uh, just meant that she wasn't biased, and she was she would she could um, summarize in amazing ways the gospel, you know, and just as she had heard it, and she was better at explaining it to everyone else than Christian and I was. So, is um, and just recently. You know, she's and and we have we have an, another friend, Wei Ping, who is also who also came to our Alpha, who gave her life to Jesus last year, and now we and then she was inviting and encouraging Teresa and Zoe to come to church, and so she's been going to church, and just recently, she's just at first she was going for the in, because she was invited, and because maybe she thought this might be good for for her daughter. And then she started going because she started enjoying going. She started enjoying community. She started enjoying hearing the sermons. And she said that um, she recently told me that while she tried to deny the Lord for a long time, he just kept revealing himself over and over and over and over again. And now it's come to a point where she says, well, I can't, I can't deny him anymore. So she, she's, right now she's getting baptized. And so... Thank you, Jesus, for waping. Thank you for Teresa. Um, thank you that they don't have to miss out on life with you. Hmm. You guys ever feel like you're uh, missing out on life? You guys know what, uh, what the, the expression FOMO is? Who knows the expression FOMO? Oh, all right. And uh, what what is it? Is it, is it uh, I wanted to call you Zoe. Chloe. What does it stand for? Fear of missing out. It's it's a it's this new urban dictionary expression to describe uh, deep 
anxiety about that people get when they look on social media and they see, they're on that trip. I've always wanted to go on that trip. Oh, my goodness. And just, just that sense, like, I will never. Oh, my goodness, I'm missing out. And so I don't think any of us necessarily have, as far as I know, none of us have major social media addictions. Um, but uh, that... that <laughs> Say that again? Oh, some, some might. Okay, so some might. Um, but I, I don't, even those who might, I don't picture any of you as, as having, you know, the kind that, that steals your joy away from, from friends or from, um, just because they're, you know, as you're, because they're doing something cooler than you are. Um, and so, you know, but maybe there is something that you're longing for? Is there something you've been longing for, something that, you've, that you're, uh, you feel like you're, you're maybe missing out on, maybe missing out on some good friendships or some good relationships, or, or maybe there's a, there's, maybe you're looking at, uh, you've been looking at, maybe if I could just get that home, if we could have a home here in Vancouver, oh my goodness. Um, maybe it's more vacation time. Maybe it's more time away from your kids. Wait, did I say that? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, no, I'm just kidding. I love time with my kids, <laughs> every every moment. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to look at um, someone in today's uh, today. We're going to go through Exodus seven. We're going to look at someone who is afraid of missing out on the wrong thing, and therefore he missed out. Completely. Um, so, uh, you're going through Exodus. It's in chapter 7. Can I get some of you to yell out? We're going to, the summary so far, usually Trevor does this whole summary, but I'm going to get you guys to give me the summary of uh, Exodus so far. Chapter 1. What happens, Exodus chapter 1? What, what did we talk about? Uh, I think that's chapter two. Let's see, chapter one. Uh, the, the the Egyptians, Pharaoh is af- is afraid of the Israelites. They're producing too rapidly, reproducing too rapidly, <laughs> and um, good. And so. He, boy, I thought this would go so much easier. I, th- I didn't know I had to know some of this. I was just going to put it on you guys. <laughs> things, yes, things are bad. There's genocide. All right. And then, uh, yeah, that's right. Some midwives won't play the game. It even says that they, fear, they feared God, and, and so God blessed them. Someone finds a baby in the river. He's baby lives, and in Pharaoh's house, his name is Moses. And yes, and what's next? What comes next? (laughs) Okay, that was all chapter one. That was all chapter one. 
<clears throat> All right. Moses grows up. He's angry. Kills a guy, runs away, uh, gets, gets married, t- looks after sheep for 40 years, complains a little bit. God, God shows up in, in a burning bush and tells him, go speak to Pharaoh. Okay, awesome. Moses, Moses says, I don't think so. God says, I told you so. All right. Um, and God gives him signs that he's going he's gonna to show um, to Pharaoh and the Israelites, or to, to the Israelites, to show that, uh, that God has spoken to him. And, and then he goes to Pharaoh, chapter 5. What happens so far? How does the first encounter go? All good, right? It was awesome. Moses takes his brother with him. Um, Moses says, "No way. Who's this God? You did. Uh, who's this God that I should obey him? Uh, I don't know the Lord, so I won't let you go. To, I will not let Israel go. All right. And then God's God promises deliverance. And here we are, chapter seven. God's about to send some something called plagues." On Egypt. Let me let me start reading here. So, now when the Lord spoke to Moses, oh, it's on page sixty in this blue Bible. If you want to follow along, or you can find it on your Bible app. You won't have to flip through pages. So then the Lord said to Moses, "See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet." You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and, if, and though I multiply my miracle signs, my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. And then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my division, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. And Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian uh, magicians also did the same thing with their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But... Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. Yet, Pharaoh's heart remained, became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Then, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding, and he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him, and take it taking your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. 
And then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you've not listened. And this is what the Lord says, by this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile. And all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Hmm. What's the deal with Pharaoh? This is the beginning of what's known as the Ten Plagues. And already you're wondering, how could this guy really miss out on these miraculous signs and wonders? Well, we're going to explore that. Um, listed three times in this chapter, it talks about Pharaoh having a hard heart. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at the text a bit more. And as we do, I'll walk you through uh, what I call the cycle of a softened heart. So here's what it looks like. Right, so it starts with the fear of God. Did I skip something? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, it starts with the fear of God. And it leads us to, you know, and then which then leads us to look and seek for God, which leads us then to uh, to see and hear from God, which leads us then to uh, accept, um, basically to surrender ourselves and, and our our understanding of reality and accepting his new reality which then leads us to respond to him which then which brings uh, which brings again fear a greater fear of God and leads us to and and so on takes us through the cycle so conversely there's you could not do any of these things, and it takes you, there's a cycle that, that I, that's called the cycle of a hardened heart. So fear of God has been replaced by the fear of man here. And so now we don't look and see and or seek God. We don't see or hear uh, what uh, from him. We don't, we don't want to anyways. We don't accept uh, or surrender ourselves at all. We don't accept, so we don't surrender who, uh, our, our own understanding of how the world works. We don't accept him. 
and we don't respond. It brings on, brings on the, the, uh, the fear of man. So I'm going to go through the passage following this cycle in Pharaoh and seeing why uh, it's, as it says in verse 3, that God made Pharaoh's heart hard. It would cause him to really miss out on God's miraculous signs and wonders. So, and then as I do that, um, I will be reflecting back to us, and we'll do a little checkup. How's our heart? Is it hard? Is it soft? And I'm going to show how we can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, follow this cycle to soften our hearts and receive uh, all the blessings that God has for us. So, start with the fear of God. Verse 1 to 3 or to 4, here we go. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. And you are to say everything I command you. Uh, And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of uh, his country. But I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my... Oh, I had it here. And though I multiply my signs and wonders, he will not listen to you. So why is God doing this? Is God being cruel to Pharaoh, making his heart hard? Maybe, you know, maybe he should give him a chance, you know? Well, actually, he has given him a chance. Uh, See how it, uh, in Exodus 5, verse 1 to 2, it says that... um, Basically, Aaron goes to Pharaoh for the first time, asking him to let God's people go. And his res- Pharaoh's response, Pharaoh says, who's the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know him. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And there will be many more opportunities, but he values, Pharaoh values power and his kingdom too much. It's by choice that he rejects God and his, and so God just, the Lord just gives Pharaoh exactly what he wants, exactly his heart's desire, and it leads to devastation. So, let's take, let's, looking and seeking, right? So into the first, kind of into that first step of the softened heart. Verse, uh, verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, say to Aaron to take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, it'll become a snake. So when Pharaoh says, perform a miracle, I'd say he's not... He's not the least bit interested in this, in what they're about to do. This is rather a taunt. Go ahead. Go ahead. You say your God's powerful? Show me. Show me. So is he looking? Is he seeking? Is he, is he at all engaged with what, he's, what Moses, who is, remember, like as it says in verse 1, as a God to as God to to um, as he is as God to Pharaoh. 
he, is he engaged at all in hanging on Moses' words, wondering, what is, what, are you try- what is it that you want to tell me? No. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. And go, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes up to the river. Confront him. And take your hand, and the, take, take in your hand the staff that changed into a snake. Say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say this to you. The, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you've not listened. The reason he's not listening until now is because he doesn't want to. He's not seeking at all to find out about this God of the Hebrews. Yes, do we do that? Do we? And Trevor's a wonderful pastor. He loves the Lord. He faithfully um, is serving him every week, spends time in prayer, asking God to reveal to him the message and his, and his truth that he wants us to hear on a Sunday morning. And so Trevor... And so through Trevor, God gets to pull back the curtain just a little bit, show us a glimpse of what his kingdom is like, what's heaven like. Um, and, and now here, and then there's us. Are we engaged with this? How, how um, would we, are, we, are we looking and seeking? Just are we coming on here on Sunday morning uh, asking, like, Lord, I want to see you. Like, Lord, show me, just help me see something, Lord. I just want to see just a little bit of you. Are we, are we hanging on every word? You know, do we want to, are we, are we seeing the um, God as he is, the, the God of the universe who created the, the planets and galaxies and who, who just is beyond anything we can imagine? Are we seeing him? As he is, and are we looking for him? Or, you know, are you just present? I guess I say that's me very often. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just present. Not if I'm not with the, if I'm not teaching uh, the next generation. But, but I'm, I'm, you know, very often it just, you, you come and you're, you know, morning's busy, the week is busy. This is, this is uh, it's good to be, to be able to sit back a little bit at church and be, be able just to rest. Do we come to church because it's a routine? This is what, you know, this is just like every good Egyptian would have um, would have gone to the Nile with their d- daily rituals and would have would have um, done their, they would have had their worship rituals as well for, for their gods. They had plenty of gods. Or worse, do you be, do you come because, well, you have to. Who else is going to do the counting if I don't show up? Who else is going to greet today if I don't show up? Who's going to teach the kids if I don't show up? Right? Why are we Why are we coming here? Are we looking and seeking? When you're on your way to work, do you ask God, like, God, what are you doing right now? I want to see you, Lord. Show me something. Lord, whose life do you want me to speak into today? 
actually right now who's as we walk them as we're walking down the somebody's walking down the street like what about that guy lord what what are you doing in that guy's life what about her what's going on in her life lord do you want me to pray for her are you telling me to pray for her <laughs> what are you what do you want me to do lord When you read your Bible, do you read your Bible? Right? And when you read your Bible, are you, are, you in, are you reading or just reading? Or are you intensely looking, seeking, Lord, show me? Are you engaged with what you read, meditating, asking God, what is this? I don't understand this. What's this, Lord? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It says all your heart. There's no in-between. No in-between. Revelations 3, 16 says, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So there's no room for not all your heart. There's no room to just be lukewarm. Are you engaged with God? Are you seeking Him daily? Are you looking for Him, asking Him to reveal Himself? Seeing and hearing. That's hmm. verse eight. And oh no, I'm going to skip. Yeah, actually, let's go. To, let's go to verse ten. Here we go. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. And did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. But let's look at this part where it becomes a snake. God performs this amazing miracle. Um, and... Trevor, as he mentioned a few weeks ago, chapter 4, when we were going through chapter 4, that when, um, that, you know, sort of God showed Moses this, this miracle, a similar miracle, he threw a, that where he let down, put down his staff and it turned into a snake. And the snake was a sign of power. And so here's, here's God showing his power, revealing his power through this, through the snake to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh doesn't get the message. What? I mean, what, what do you need? Right? Somebody throws, a, throws, somebody throws their staff down, turns into a snake. <gasps> ah! Oh. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a snake. What is that? And Pharaoh just turns to his sorcerers. He's like, can you, can you guys pull that off? I, th- I, bet, I bet you guys could do that. Can you do that? Yeah, nice trick. Let me go through verse, from verse 16 to, to 18 here. It says, uh, Then say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say this to you. Let my people go so they will worship me in the wilderness. But until now you've not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I'm the Lord. And with the staff that's in my hands, I'll strike the water of the Nile, and, I'll be ch- and it will be changed into blood. 
The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink of its water. So Moses and Aaron personally deliver a direct message to Pharaoh. You know, they say, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to say this to you. So, I don't know if you guys have ever had anybody say, I have a message for you. What do you do when somebody says, I have a message for you? I have a message for you. I have a message for you. You listen? Uh, hopefully. Well, this is what the Lord says. By this you'll know that I'm the Lord. And this message, by the way, is brutal. It talks about turning the water of the Nile into blood. The Egyptians were so dependent on the Nile, right? They worshipped a number of gods to, who were sort of responsible for, for watching over it, for keeping it in balance. It's the only thing worse that a message like that was, would be if like, it actually happened. Oh, wait. The Lord said to Moses, uh, wait, where, where is it? Uh, here we are. Yeah, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs. They'll turn into blood. The blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh His officials struck the, uh, and his officials. He struck the water of the Nile, and all the water changed into blood. The fish of the Nile died. The river smelt so bad that the Egyptian couldn't drink its water. The blood was everywhere in Egypt. You can't imagine what a shock that must have been for the Egyptian people. But what happened to their gods? They have all these gods that are, that are responsible for the Nile. There's a, there's a god who's responsible for the fish. What happened? All the fish died. What happened to, the, to our my god? Where's the gods? Oh, my goodness. Like, this is the, those... This is supposed to be, like, this is supposed to be, this is sacred. What happened here? Who died? My gods died? How did my gods die? What happened? It would have, it's the, the foundation of everything they knew would be shaken. This is a state of emergency. This, the Nile is this source of fresh water in the middle of what's otherwise a desert. And, and the Nile is life itself to the Egyptians, right? And at that time, um, it would have been true for the Israelites as well, actually. They were living, as they were living in Egypt, it's water for the crops, it's a source for food, plenty of fish, it's clean water for them to bathe in and to, to drink and for... Um, for washing, uh, for washing, whatever needs to be washed, um, you know. But it goes even further than that. There's all the water in Egypt, so whatever you collected, yeah, that too, a total disaster. It's possible. You know, it, as, as strange as it sounds, it's possible to see a miracle and not grasp what actually just happened. 
Daryl's not the only one. There's Jeremiah 5. Uh, actually, let's, I'm going to read that one in a moment. Uh, Ezekiel 12.2, the son of man, you are living in a rebellious house. They have eyes to see, but they do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Mark uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 18 says, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? And Matthew thirteen thirteen. This is why I speak um, to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though, though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Pharaoh was way more fascinated by, more interested in, in the miracle than the person behind the miracle. We see that because he just he's, he turns to he's not uh, yeah he's, he just turns to his his sorcerers and says you you're next do we do that are we living our lives as though everything around us is just completely normal I mean to an extent we have to we need to function. We, we, I suppose we can't walk around going, Whoa, look at that! Oh, look at that! Oh, my God, look at that! <gasps> look at that! <gasps> Light! Sound, I can hear my voice. Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I'm walking! I'm walking! Oh, my goodness. Breathing. <gasps> I'm breathing. Wow. Wow, what? This is incredible. I, I, I suppose we can't necessarily do that, but do we stop and see and look and... And sometimes it's, we, have, we have miracles that are beyond anything that, that, we've, that we, God will show us something we've never seen before. Are we looking for that? Do we see that? Have you ever heard the, a voice that, says, that tells you? Have you ever heard uh, the Spirit speaking? And you think, is that just my own thoughts? Maybe that's just my own thoughts. Maybe not. See and hear. Jeremiah 5 Jeremiah 5, 21 to 24. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes to see but do not see, who have ears to hear but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand uh, a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have stubborn, rebellious hearts. They've turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God who gives autumn and spring rains in season, who assures us of regular weeks of harvest. That was Pharaoh. He missed it. Ah, Accept and surrender, or surrender and accept. Hmm. You know, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. 
arrow through. Uh, uh, where am I? Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials. It became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts, and each one threw down his staff and became a snake. The fish in the Nile died. The river smelled so bad that the Egyptians couldn't drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt, but the Egyptian magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. By the way, I have no idea. I still, I'm still trying to figure this out. I have no idea how when there's water everywhere or in the, when there's blood everywhere, they managed to, to reproduce this miracle. The only thing I've heard or read anywhere is that um, they made it worse. Sound, which, which doesn't sound like a great, which doesn't sound like great confirmation. Oh, we can do it too. Um, but, uh, but if Pharaoh's heart became hard, he wouldn't listen to Moses and Aaron. It would seem pointless to argue and deny any of these miracles, right? I mean. Okay, um, you were able to summon, uh, you know, you were able to summon your, uh, your, you know, you summon your sorcerers, and while they were able to make a snake, some their their staff turned into a snake. Well, now they have no staff because it's been swallowed up. The water in the whole land has turned. Like, how can you ignore that? Well, thing is, anytime we encounter God, the real God, as He is, not as we want Him to be, it's going to come up in conflict against what our own expectations, uh, our own understanding of who we think God is, how He, uh, we tend to see Him the way we want to see Him. We, um, we tend to put Him in a box because that's the only way we can sort of understand him. But he's too big to fit in the box. He's too big to fit, to fit in our minds. He won't be limited to that. Right? Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have a tendency to want to put God in a box. Our heart, our hard heart, you know, chooses to put, um, to put ourselves first and keep the, the, keep a close lid on God because we can control him that way and we, we're comfortable, you know, this, um, but when we set the boundaries of who God is and how he works in our lives, we understand him the way we want to understand him and we see him the way we want to see him. And we forget that he's the one that sets the boundaries, not the other way around. Do we do that? Hmm. We live in a world that says you're free to seek the things you want to seek. Buy the things you want to buy. Have your world your way. There's a problem with that. God loves you too much to let you live like that. He wants to be in a relationship with you. 
and that means you're going to have to let him break through your, the categories of your life and how you think your life should be. How often are you, are, are you uncomfortable with God? Let me ask you that. How often do you feel convicted? How often do you feel challenged in your faith? If the answer is rarely, then you need to ask the Spirit to be at work in you. We talked about growth last year. This is how we grow. This is where real growth happens. Once you come to a place of surrendering your reality and accepting God's reality. And once that happens, you can never, you can never be the same again. God has a way of breaking through your walls and the way that you're and your uh, the way that you think. So our goal should be for to be as un, to be uncomfortable with God at least two three times a week. We should be we should be often deeply uncomfortable about what we learn about God. This is not the this is not what I thought it would be, Lord. This is not this is just not um, this is so different than what I thought. And now I have to accept this, and I don't know how I feel about that. That has to happen more often. Uh, final step is response. After seeking the Lord, after seeing the Lord or hearing from Him, after surrendering our old reality and, and accepting His reality, comes a time of response. Uh, a pharaoh had said that he turned and went to his palace and... Um, did not even take this to heart. In the New Living Translation, it says he put these things out of his mind. Meanwhile, all the Egyptians, the, the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they couldn't drink the water from the river. It's a pretty pathetic response. His response is no response at all. He just went home. I'm going home. That's it. Does that happen to us? I'm going to say definitely. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. Maybe it's my family. I don't know. Um, I was taught to always be polite. And somehow being quiet in public has, is somehow related to being polite and respectful to others. Um, I, was, uh, I was taught to wear matching clothes and, um, and to not shake things up too much, or if you do, at least if, if you want to do something that's a little bit crazy, a little bit out of the ordinary, out of the norm, make sure you see somebody else doing it first. Then you can do it too. Then it's safe. But as a Christian, I can't, I can't live that way. I'm told to uh, live by the Spirit, which means that I'm not, I'm not going to be ordinary and blending in with the background. Are you willing to respond to God? If the Holy Spirit of God were to manifest himself right now, would you dare to respond? Would you dare to bow down right now, even though nobody else is doing it? Would you uh, praise him out loud? Would you prophesy if he gave you the words? Would you dance? Would you sing? Would you do it if nobody else, if, if everybody else is as, as you are right now? If one of you gets the message. Would you do it? Don't harden your hearts. Don't be polite. Don't be, don't be normal. That's, that's not normal for followers of Jesus. 
Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp under under a bowl and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here we, be, here we are. We've completed the cycle. We are back. But now we have our fear of God. We've increased our fear of God. And the, the, now the choice seems simpler. It seems easier as you, as you continue to, uh, to soften your heart and you continue to follow him. The choice is simple. Seek him. See and hear from him. Surrender to him, accept him, respond to him. Greater fear of the Lord, a softer heart. Or don't. Get a heart, and that's going to lead to a harder heart. We're going to be having our praise and prayer evening on Wednesday. I think that many of us tend to hold our responses back. Even there, even it's a place where we're safe, where we ought to... Just be free. But I know that, that maybe out of maybe out of fear we choose to not put ourselves in the spotlight like that. That's um you know, I I think that I don't think that God has nothing to say through us. It's just that maybe yeah, maybe that fear of man is, is a little bit it's a little bit stronger than the fear of God in that moment. And we just say, I I don't know if I want to put myself in the spotlight like that, wondering what others might say. Is it going to come out right if I say this? And that's not the fear of God. So don't harden your hearts. Look for what God is doing. See the miracle. See his, uh, see, you know, see and uh, hear the miracle. Let him challenge you. Respond. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. You just follow him. and That's real freedom. We can be afraid of missing out on a lot of things. Let's be afraid of missing out on God. I'm just going to look back at for, for just a moment at the ten plagues. God and that first plague, the plague of the blood, Are you concerned that you can miss out on something? You're in verse 24. After Pharaoh went to his palace, it says, and all the Egyptians, let me see if I have it. Uh, I'll leave it there. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they couldn't drink the water from the river. The Nile was their food source. It was their source of water. It was their place of cleansing. It was the, the source of life. And it's their security. Little did they know that the real source of life and security and uh, the and actual freedom is in that blood. Don't go looking for your own well. If you want to look at a miraculous sign and wonder, I'm here. Eight years ago, my life was denial. That's, that's a fun little 
unintended pun there, um, that, that I denied Jesus, so my life was like the Nile River. I drew water from it. I was, this is what was feeding me. It was my safety. Um, I, it was, and I just had to keep going back. I was always thirsty. I hung on to it. Uh, I didn't really love people. I just loved them so that they could love me back. Um, and, and, but, but many of you prayed for me. And God softened my heart. And then I saw the blood. The river that was once my safety and my security is now Jesus' blood. My safety and security comes from Jesus who died on the cross for me. And after three days, he was raised to life again so that I could be raised to life again, so that I could be alive in him forever. And the blood that assures me that I, that I have that, uh, the, the blood is what assures me that I have that freedom. And I don't have to worry about uh, missing out on the things of this world because my hope is in Jesus who has a place for me in heaven. So. I'm grateful that I get to share that hope with you. And I'm grateful that we get to share, that we um, share in that hope with my friend Teresa this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Maybe this is a good moment just to, to look to ask that to ask God, what are you doing? Can you show me something? Are you ready to see and hear from him? When he comes in, are you are you willing to let it break through what your own understanding and comfort. And then are you going to respond? Father, we can't do it. We can't do it. Um, Lord, I'm going to forget every time, and we all are, we're always going to forget to look for you. It's not. Uh, it's not natural for us. We're not. We're always going to forget to look for you. We're always going to forget to. We're always. We're, we're going to. We're. You're going to show us amazing things, and we're going to miss it. You're going to. You do amazing things all the time, and we miss it. You speak to us, and we don't. We're not sure that we heard you properly. We're. Um, We're stuck sometimes in our in our ways. We don't want to. We don't want to surrender who we are. Right? It's it's hard work. It's hard work to go to. I don't want to go to a place where I, where I feel like, I wasn't, um, like I I missed something. I like the way I understand you now. I don't want to change, but <laughs> I need to. 
and I'm going to be afraid to respond, especially if there's constantly, it's just going to, it's just going to happen, Lord. I'm going to be afraid to respond. It's true for all of us, Lord. Um, if you call me to to pray for someone on the street, I might I might hesitate. I might I might not go, just because I, I'm I'm not I'm not comfortable. I'm not. I'm just afraid. What if I misheard? What if I misunderstood? What if I what if what if what if I look like an idiot? Lord, would you, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come now. Would you come, Lord, and help us, help us, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your freedom, Lord. Lord, we need your freedom. Would you give us freedom by the blood of Jesus? I ask that in in your name. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Amen.